Good morning. It's good to be with you today as we begin a new uh, book of the Bible, or books of the Bible, I guess we could say. As I mentioned yesterday, we're going to look for the next little while at Paul's, I like to call them his pastoral letters. All of Paul's letters are personal. You know, Paul did not write general letters. Everything he wrote was to a specific person or to a specific church. So he wrote the book of Romans to the church in Rome. He wrote the book of Corinthians to the church in Corinth. Well, he wrote several letters towards the end of Paul's letters that we see that were written not to churches, Corinth, Thessalonica, Philippi, like those letters were, but were instead written to people, Timothy, Titus, Philemon. So we're going to look the next little while at um, these letters, First and Second Timothy, Titus, and then Philemon. I especially love Philemon. It's one of my favorite little books in the Bible. But I figured it would be a good uh, good experience to read through this part of Paul because Paul I, I love Paul but particularly when we you know we read Acts not too long ago we see what all that Paul went through it's it's good to see um Paul's almost fatherly love that he has for these folks so we'll pick up today with first Timothy we're going to read first Timothy Chapter 1, we'll read through verse 11. And we'll get back to what we did before Proverbs. You know, in Proverbs, we just read specific verses of the text that I talked about. We'll go back to what we've always done, which is I'll read the entire section, and then we'll talk about it. So we'll read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God our Savior, and Christ Jesus our hope, to Timothy, my loyal child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord and Christ Jesus our Lord. I urge you when I as I did when I was on my way to Macedonia to remain in Ephesus that you may instruct certain people not to teach a different doctrine and not to occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that promote speculation rather than divine training that is known by faith. But the aim of such instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some people have deviated from these and turned to meaningless talk, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding that understanding what they are saying are the things about which they make assertions. No one knows the law is good if one loses it, uses it legitimately. This means understanding that the law was laid down not for the innocent, but for the lawless and the disobedient, for the godless and the sinful, for the unholy and the profane, for those who kill their father or mother for murderers, fornicators, sodomites, slave traders, liars, perjurers, whatever else is contrary to sound teaching that confirms the glorious gospel of the blessed Lord to which he entrusted to me. So we see Paul here talking about the false teaching that's going on there in Ephesus. And it, it appears as though that it delves around in, incorrect use of the law. Paul says law's not bad. It's actually good. Paul does a, a real good uh, little teaching on this in Romans, where he says the law was given. The, the best way we as, the best way we can think of the law as Christians, the Old Testament law, is think of it this way. I got to go for my yearly physical every. I usually go in late October, in November, towards the end of the year, and you go to your physical, and your physical tells you what's wrong. Okay, your cholesterol is this or this right here. I'm, for instance, okay, so one of the things my doctor tells me every year is he does a specific, some specific test on my kidney functions. Well, kidney function, <laughs> that's why he does the kidney function tests, because this, uh, I'm only, have, only, having, only having one kidney now after kidney cancer, I have to make sure that my one kidney is working well. 
So he does specific blood work tied to that to make sure it's doing all the stuff it needs to do. This lets me know how healthy I am. The, my physical lets me know, okay, am I doing right? Am I doing wrong? What do I need to work on? That's what the law was given for. The law was given, basically, Paul tells us so that we know we can keep it. It wasn't given for those of us who are Christians, but it was given for those who was given to who writes those who are unrighteous because it shows us our inadequacy and our inability to keep it. The law is something that we can't fully keep. That's why we have Jesus. If the law, if we could keep the law perfectly, then there was really no reason for Jesus to come. But we can't. So what the law does is the law shows us our inadequacies. It shows us that we can't keep it. And that we do need Jesus. So he talks here. I, I love what he says here. Verse 4 says, They occupy the, do not occupy themselves with myths and endless genealogies that provoke speculations rather than the divine training that is known by faith. But the aim of such instruction, this is so why, are we, why is Timothy, why do we as preachers, why do church leaders, why does the church seek to instruct people or teach people? But the aim of such instruction is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Some have deviated from these and have turned to meaningless talk, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying, the things about which they are making assertions. What's the aim of the law? What's the aim of the Christian training? What's the aim of these things? Love. Love. Where's love come from? A pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith. Is the teaching that I'm teaching, that's one of the markers. I was, golly, who was I talking to about this? Oh, <laughs> that's my sermon Sunday. I was talking to myself as well as talking to. <laughs> I was uh, teaching preaching this week, this coming Sunday at St. Matthew's on, you know, we're going through our, our teachings on the theological method of the United Methodist Church. And I was talking about experience as a, as a tool that we use to understand scripture. And for Wesley, he often understood experience, not just as something that he would experience individually, but something that he would observe. For Wesley, experience was as much about observation as it was about what you physically experienced. So we observe, we, we learn, we watch. At this point in my life, late 40s, what I want to what I want to see produced in my life is the fruit of the spirit. That's it. Fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, I want the fruit of the spirit. And the people that I want to follow, people who lead me. I want to see the fruit of the Spirit in them, too. The point of this divine training that Paul talks about is love that comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That's some good goals right there, y'all. <laughs> That's some good goals. 
a heart that is pure, a heart that's been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, a good conscience, someone who's experienced forgiveness and has heard there's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And a sincere faith, not a perfect faith, honestly not a faith that has all the answers. Because if faith has all the answers, it's not faith. Faith always has to an element of mystery. You know, faith is not complete knowledge. The Bible talks about the gift of faith and the gift of knowledge. Those are two different things. Faith is trust. So the aim of the instruction that we seek to live out is a pure heart, a heart that's been forgiven by been washed in the blood of the Lamb. A good conscience. The, 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 the peace that comes from knowing that you are forgiven, that you have confessed your sin and you have experienced forgiveness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he was faithful and just will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's First John. A, a clean conscience that comes from being forgiven. And also, not just from being forgiven, but for making things right. Because part of, I think, the reason our conscience is struggle sometimes is that we've experienced forgiveness from God, but we haven't always sought to make amends with our neighbor. And that's that's really the missing piece of a clean conscience, is to also have experienced the, um, uh, the, the reconciliation that comes through making things right with your neighbor. And sincere faith. Holding on to Jesus, y'all. Holding on to Jesus. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's what our teaching should should um should provoke us to and push us to. So let's be about that, y'all. Let's 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 ground ourselves deep in God's word. Let's ground ourselves deep in God's in God's way and God's spirit. And I guarantee you, if if we order ourselves by his word and by, by what he says, we will find those things in our heart. We will find, we will find a heart that is that that is pure. We'll we'll be living out love, and we'll have sincere faith. So that's um, that's a good good word for us today, y'all. So let's let's live this up. Let's let let's let that love, that fruit of the spirit, be the marker we're known for. But let but know that that comes from that heart that's been purified and a conscience that's clean and sincere faith. Looking forward to um, being with you in uh, Timothy the coming days. So tomorrow we'll pick up with First Timothy chapter one verse twelve. Have a great rest of your day.